This is News Talk on the VOCM Bigland FM radio network. The views and opinions on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your News Talk host, Linda Swain. Well, good Friday afternoon, everybody. Ben Murphy here on your VOCM News Talk sitting in for Linda Swain on the program today. Lots to talk about over the next hour, but we want to speak to you as well. So pick up the phone, give us a call with whatever's on your mind this afternoon, 709-273-5211 or 1-888-590-8626. That's 709-273-5211 or one triple eight five ninety vocm We're going to be talking about the scorching hot weather over the month of July. That's coming up in just a moment, so stay with us. Memorial University's Faculty Association is sounding the alarm. They say immediate action is needed in the Student Wellness and Counseling Center. Dr. Lisa Moores, SWCC Counseling Faculty Member and incoming month a member at large, joins us live right here on News Talk around 4.15. Climate change and air quality concerns soar among Canadians. That's the finding from a narrative research poll of more than 1,200 people from across the country. We'll have more details after 4.30. We've got some activities planned around the ballpark Saturday night, especially for to tie in with baseball on L day. Some kids want to drop down. There's some opportunity for some prizes, giveaways, things like that. So we're hoping to pack the ballpark, so to speak, and have a really good crowd down there for Saturday night. That's Ryan Garland of Baseball NL. Saturday marks Baseball NL Day with a fully loaded schedule. We'll bring you all the details. Should mention this as well. Just a few headlines. Temporary fire ban is now in effect for much of the metro region. St. John's Regional has issued a minimum seven-day-long ban for the capital city, Mount Pearl, and Paradise. The ban prohibits any open fires, including backyard fire pits, charcoal barbecues, and chimneys. The town of Portugal Cove, St. Phillips, is also issuing a fire ban. One person has died following a single vehicle crash on the Veterans Memorial Highway this morning. First responders were called to the scene at around 7 a.m. where the lone occupant driver was pronounced dead at the scene. And... RCMPNL major crime unit investigating in Happy Valley Goose Bay after a 43-year-old man was found dead early this morning. The death is being treated as a homicide and various law enforcement agencies are involved in the investigation. We'll have more on that for you in your 4:30 news. So, as mentioned, many areas of Newfoundland enjoyed their warmest July on record while the metro region was close. It fell just short. Last month was the second warmest July on record in metro in terms of temperature, but it probably felt the warmest because of the humidity. Heat warnings were not unheard of in effect almost every day in different parts of the province. David Neal, meteorologist with the Environment Canada Gander Weather Office, speaks with VOCM's Brian Medor. Uh, so really there was, um, it was, as you said, it was a very, very warm month, well above normal across uh, across the province in terms of temperatures. Um, a lot of a lot of stations actually recorded their, their warmest July on, on record. Um, uh, this uh, this past July, uh, in fact, probably easier to to mention areas that likely didn't set a record uh, for uh, for this uh, July in terms of warm temperatures uh, than it is to, to mention all the areas that did. So, uh, yeah, really looked at a very very warm month uh, this this past July. And when you say record warmth, just give me an idea by how much. Let's say start in the St. John's area, for example. 
Okay, looking at St. John, actually, St. John's was one of the areas that uh, at St. John's Airport that didn't uh, set a new July record. It was actually the second warmest on record for St. John's. But to put it in perspective, what we're, when we're talking about these records, we're looking at the, the, the mean temperature for the month, so the average temperature for the entire month. Uh, so typically uh, what we see uh, in uh, really across uh, across Newfoundland is normally the the the, the mean temperature, uh, and that's of course including you know, your nighttime temperatures. Is still factoring it all in. Uh, typically, the mean temperature for the month of July ranges anywhere from uh, uh, from around uh, 13 to 14 degrees, depending on where you are, up to about 18. Uh, a lot of areas had mean temperatures uh, this this past month, 2023, really ranging anywhere from uh, from 15 to 16 degrees. As high as as 21 degrees in some areas that's the mean temperature so uh you're seeing uh, areas uh, across newfoundland that were uh the the island generally had uh, had temperatures anywhere from two to four degrees above normal for uh, for july and there must have been some kind of standards set too and just in terms of uh you know a number of consecutive days for how long that lasted like uh, a heat wave is i think the, the definition is three days and three nights where it doesn't go over th- uh, under 30 in the daytime and under 20 in the nighttime, I think is something like that. But we had uh, warmth and humidity for, gee, it seemed like, you know, a couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just taking a look at a couple of our, uh, um, some of our more graphical representation. Actually, you mentioned St. John's. I'm uh, just looking at the uh, the temperature gram here. And yeah, from about, you see here now, from about the 14th of July all the way to about the 27th, about the 27th. So yeah, you're looking at about a two-week period. Temperatures were were well above normal uh, for that period, and then there are other areas in, uh, in the province that was actually even lo- a longer period than that, where those uh, those mean temperatures were well, were quite a ways above uh, above normal. So it was uh, uh, yes, as you mentioned, not just a warm month, but just that prolonged period of uh, of warmth uh, across uh, really many areas of the province certainly contributed to uh, to to, a ver- to the, the warmest July on record in a lot of areas. So very cold in June, very warm in July, August. So it, you know, just judging by these first few days, anyhow, seems to be somewhere in the middle. Uh, yeah, certainly, we're uh, kind of looking ahead at the um, at some of the. Uh, data we have look, looking ahead just in terms of what we can expect with regards to normal uh, and really yeah, look in the next the next four week period generally expecting temperatures to be above normal for this uh, for this time of year uh, so certainly now like the, the, the these couple of days at least here in gander it's been uh, it's been fairly warm again but uh, not Again, not to that standard that we certainly had uh, uh, in July, where we had those uh, a long run of daytime highs above 30. Um, but yes, getting into another another period of, uh, of temperatures above normal for the next uh, for the next little while. Now, with that said, uh, we do have uh, a system that's going to come through uh, through the later part of the weekend, and that's actually going to bring in uh, some temperatures for a lot of areas that are a little on the cooler side. Uh, so, seeing a lot of daytime uh, daytime highs. 
for a day or two that uh, that may not hit 20. Uh, so uh, certainly, even though overall looking at the bigger picture, expecting temperatures to be above normal, looks like there'll be some cooler periods uh, in, in mixed in amongst that. And that is meteorologist David Neal with Environment Canada's Gander Weather Office talking all about the warm month of July. July, the second warmest on record in Metro in terms of temperature, but probably felt the warmest because of the humidity. Stay with us here on News Talk on your VOCM. When we come back, Memorial University's Faculty Association is sounding the alarm. They say immediate action is needed in the Student Wellness and Counseling Center. Dr. Lisa Moores, counseling faculty member and incoming month, a member at large, joins us live right after these. Stay informed and have your say on the news of the day with your VOCM. Join Linda Swain weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m. for an hour of talk and discussion with decision makers and listeners like you. News Talk on your VOCM. Welcome back to the program. Ben Murphy sitting in for VOCM's Linda Swain here on News Talk this afternoon. Memorial University's Faculty Association says Newfoundland and Labrador is grappling with a mental health crisis with young adults reporting the worst mental health outcomes in the country. Amid this crisis, the Student Wellness and Counseling Center, or SWCC, at Memorial University, a key provider of doctoral psychologists, is on the brink of collapse due to what they call years of faculty cuts. Dr. Lisa Morris is Student Wellness and Counseling Center Counseling Faculty Member and incoming MUNFA member at large. She joins me now. Dr. Morris, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Ben. Thanks for having me. And thank you for joining us. I was almost going to say good morning, as I'm so used to inhabit, but thank you for joining us here on News Talk this afternoon. So, Dr. Morris, can you elaborate just first on the current state of mental health among students, people aged 13 to 18 to 34 in Newfoundland and Labrador? Well, uh, we've known within mental health that we've been in um, a mental health crisis even before COVID. Uh, a lot of folks think that this is an issue that you know primarily arose uh, with the start of COVID. Unfortunately, it didn't. It's fair to say that it's uh, COVID has exacerbated things uh, considerably, and we're really at a, a, a point in time um, when we're seeing tremendous demand and also just an increase in the complexity uh, of issues that are, are we're seeing and that people are facing so uh, we're at a time when we're really seeing the the outcome I think of a system that's had uh, inadequate uh, resources professional resources to deal with this uh, for some time and this is what happens. So how have faculty cuts by senior administration affected the SWCC residency program and its ability to maintain that accreditation? Well, we've been accredited for 20 years. We've actually started this program uh, more than 30 years ago, but we've had our gold standard accreditation uh, for 20 years. That works the same way as it would in medicine. So after students have finished their doctoral degrees, uh, they come to us for a year-long, uh, really intensively supervised uh, period before they can go out to practice. Uh, and, you know, that's a, that's a key uh, factor in terms of they provide a lot of clinical service psychological services to hundreds, thousands actually, uh, of appointments for our students, but also uh, we are a main feeder into the uh, public system. So more than 40% of our psychologists uh, stay and work in Newfoundland and Labrador. Uh, with all these cuts, we are at less than uh, the faculty complement that we had 20 years ago uh, when we started this program, even though, of course, the student population has increased dramatically. So what's enabled 
the Student Wellness and Counseling Center program to maintain that full accreditation from the Canadian Psychological Association since 2003? Well, we've really been able to have, you know, folks who are on board who are incredibly committed. Uh, so faculty members who have, you know, withstood all of the, the challenges that have come along. Uh, and knowing that we're in a province where this is so direly needed, we have, uh, you know, support from others within our professional field and community who understand the value uh, of this program. Um, but it's been, you know, a little at a time. Uh, these cuts have increased. Uh, but now we're at the point where we've just hit the tipping point on it, where we can no longer, you know, let our accreditors know that we can ethically uh, continue to provide and keep their standard, that high standard uh, of training and service, if we do not have an opportunity to return to our full complement. We're not asking for any more. These are already funded positions. They're already in our budget. We're just asking for permission to fill them. We're speaking with Dr. Lisa Morris, Student Wellness and Counseling Center, counseling faculty member and incoming MONFA member at large. And Dr. Morris, you kind of just spoke to this a little bit, but what potential consequences could the loss of this program have on MUN students in the entire campus community and even the province at large? Well, you know, we see a, a tremendous number of students, of course, uh, and, you know, residents and even counseling faculty are not the only mental health uh, professionals, uh, but we're a really important and integral part of that system. Uh, in many provinces, only psychologists and physicians are legally able to uh, provide diagnoses, for example, uh, for mental health disorders and illnesses. Um, so that's a really important thing to have. We're lucky because we have a faculty. We have folks who have incredible expertise in post-secondary mental health specifically. Uh, most universities would consider that quite lucky and an asset. Uh, unfortunately, it hasn't been the case recently uh, at our university. But uh, if we lose it, we're going to, again, lose the opportunity to provide that high-quality psychological service to hundreds of memorial students. Uh, and, you know, our, the ability to be able to make continual ground uh, with filling the, the large number of vacancies uh, within the, the health authorities uh, for psychologists is going to be diminished considerably as well. We're quite a safe bet uh, to back if you want to ensure you get more uh, psychologists out there because we've been doing it for 20 years. What specific actions is MUNFA demanding here to ensure that the Student Wellness and Counseling Centre is properly resourced and can maintain that important national accreditation? Well, Memorial uh, Administration has uh, told MUNFA uh, that they would provide answers uh, on the 10th of August. That's obviously a very small window. Uh, you know, we're asking for permission uh, to fill these vacant uh, faculty positions to regain some stability uh, and to have permanent positions that we can then use to reflect to our accreditors when they come. Uh, here is the real, uh, you know, investment that Memorial is making in having a robust mental health system. Uh, it's not going to work to have more consultations. We've actually had three, uh, three consultants come through since 2020 who filed three formal reports 
so the time for, for consultation, I think, is passed. We really need to see a, a firm, concrete commitment that we're going to be allowed to hire for these positions so that we can move forward and prove that we are rebuilding this program to ensure that we can operate at the quality that it demands and that's really required. And is there a lot of interest for this program for both psychologists and those looking to avail of it? Absolutely. Our residency, we've always had uh, quite a large number of, um, of applications for it. We, have, we take folks in all, from all across Canada, uh, and we've had folks over the years that have risen to uh, you know, tremendous, uh, tremendous work uh, within psychology in all kinds of different areas afterwards. Uh, so there, we've never had difficulty in that regard, attracting really high-quality candidates uh, for residency, uh, and that's largely because we have again, a gold standard accredited program. Uh, you know, programs that don't have that, you don't have uh, the same appeal uh, to pool of applicants. Uh, and also, I think it would be virtually impossible to be attracting folks, uh, you know, to Newfoundland in particular, uh, unless we're able to provide a level of quality that wouldn't be a sacrifice for them. They want to come and get excellent training so they can uh, graduate from the program and go out and do excellent work. Dr. Lisa Morris, Student Wellness and Counseling Center, counseling faculty member, and incoming MUNFA member at large. Thank you for this. Thank you. There you have it. Right now it is 8.25, and we're going to keep chugging along here till we get to your 4.30 news. Bob Buckingham Law has launched a class action lawsuit against Newfoundland and Labrador Health Services and NL Fertility Services for a privacy breach one month ago. The breach in question happened on July 4th. The clinic sent an email to people who had availed of a provincial subsidy to travel out of province for fertility services. Those on the email were not blind copied, meaning the names of everyone on the list were visible. VOCM's Richard Duggan speaks with Bob Buckingham to get the details of this class action. Well, it's, it's run the gamut, uh, you know. Um, some people in the course of this were... A couple of people were uh, open about the difficulties they were having uh, with the lack of services here in the province, but a number of other people, quite a few people, uh, you know, were dealing with this in a, in a private and confidential manner. I mean, this is a, uh, you know, the question of having a child and, and going through the fertility clinic is a very, is a very private matter. It takes a lot of effort and to do this. Uh, the process to go through is quite distressful. And on a whole bunch of levels, both physical and psychological, uh, uh, relationship-wise, and uh, the release of their names to other people has had a devastating effect on a number of uh, folks. Uh, at least some people got the information in which they were supposed to go to a uh, uh, to get the next round of uh, services. They cancelled. Other people have been stressed out and. Uh, uh, have you know put you know, the, the program on hold for a bit while they're dealing with it. Uh, the breach of privacy has uh, had a tremendous impact on people in a very negative way who are already dealing with very stressful circumstances in their life. And some of the people you know have been dealing with this for years. You know the, these fertility clinic uh, program and the journey, as people call it, is not always successful. And so people have to go back two, three, four, and five times before you know before. Uh, Success is achieved, and sometimes it's not achieved. And every time they go through that, it's a it's a very difficult uh, process. And so uh, this breach of their privacy has had, although it seems innocuous, 
in terms of a little matter to a, number, to a small group of people. And it has had an amazing impact on, on people and uh, on setting back their, uh, their fertility journey. So what are the next steps now? What happens next? Well, we're going to be, you know, putting together and drafting the uh, the class action, and then, uh, you know, serving it on uh, the Fertility Services Clinic and the Newfoundland Health Services. Um, you know, and so hopefully, you know, they recognize that there was a problem here. You know, the the, uh, the fertility clinic and the health services. So hopefully, they'll come and say, look, let's resolve this without having to put uh, all of these people through a long, drawn-out class action. Uh, you know, they've sent out a perfunctory apology. Uh, that certainly wasn't significant enough. They haven't uh, done anything in a real way. They, they haven't not addressed an understanding of the impact that this has had on the individuals and the sort of the psychological and the traumatic impact it's had on individuals. And so uh, hopefully they will sit down and talk with us about the, the best way of resolving that and to work with the individuals, uh, you know, the, the women and their partners, you know, to uh, make the next steps in the, in the fertility journey easier uh, to um, try to undo the harm that that's been done so far. And also then to provide, you know, proper, proper compensation and assistance for them on a go forward basis. All of the individuals that I that have been contacting us do want to continue with uh, their services and and to have children, and they hope to get back uh, on the road to getting that done, you know, soon. But uh, you know, the there has to be an understanding by the fertility clinic and Newfoundland and, and Labrador Health Services of the incredible stressors people are under in this process and the impact that this has had on the people. And, and so hopefully we'll have some discussions along those lines soon. So we'll be drafting the, the statement of claim and we'll be filing it in the next couple of weeks. And that is lawyer Bob Buckingham speaking with VOCM's Richard Duggan. Bob Buckingham Law has launched a class action lawsuit against Newfoundland and Labrador Health Services and NL Fertility Services for a privacy breach one month ago. The breach in question happened on July 4th. The clinic sent an email to people who had availed of a provincial subsidy to travel out of province for fertility services. Those on the email were not blind copied, meaning the names of everyone on the list were visible. What do you think about all that? Are you impacted? You can always give us a call here on News Talk 709-273-5211 or 1-888-590-8626. That's 709-273-5211 or 1-888-590-VOCM. Give us a call with whatever's on your mind this afternoon. Right now, we're just after 4.30. Time to head over to the VOCM newsroom for a news update with Sarah Strickland. Start your day off right. Get the latest updates on news, traffic, and weather conditions, plus interviews with today's newsmakers, your go-to source before you get on the go. 5.30 to 9 a.m. weekdays, your VOCM mornings. Thank you, Sarah. Welcome back to News Talk here on your VOCM. Ben Murphy sitting in for Linda Swain today. Climate change and air quality concerns soar among Canadians. That's the finding from an narrative research poll. We'll have more on that in just a couple of minutes, but I do want to jump over to VOCM.com and look at our question of the day for Friday, August 4th. Do you believe a report by the Commissioner of Legislative Standards was necessary to clear the air on Premier Andrew Fury's 2021 
one fishing trip. Yes or no at VOCM.com. And the results are pretty close. 60% of respondents say no. They don't believe a report by the Commissioner of Legislative Standards was necessary to clear the air on Premier Andrew Fury's 2021 fishing trip. 40% say yes. What do you think? You can weigh in at VOCM.com. Or you can still pick up the phone and give us a call with what's on your mind. What do you think about all that? 709-273-5211 or 1-888-590-8626. That's 709-273-5211 or 1-888-590-VOCM. Do you believe a report by the Commissioner of Legislative Standards was necessary to clear the air on Premier Andrew Fury's 2021 fishing trip? Now, as mentioned, a recent survey shows mounting concerns over climate change and air quality, particularly among women and those directly affected by recent forest fires. That's according to Narrative Research, which surveyed more than 1,200 people from right across the country. Margaret Brigley is the company's CEO and partner. She speaks with VOCM's Jerry Lynn Mackey. Why did you undertake that research? Well, there has been so much going on in the last uh, few months across the country and here at home. You know, we're seeing crazy temperatures, just like you've mentioned in, in the weather forecast in the last month, uh, but also lots of fly, uh, fires and floods and, and so much odd activity. So we, we wanted to understand just how concerned Canadians are about climate change and and whether or not they think that the changes in temperatures that we've been seeing isn't linked to changing climate. So interestingly, we see it's top of mind. You know, we've got a strong majority of Canadians, and that doesn't matter which part of the country you're in. Um, they're personally concerned about climate change. 83% told us they are. And even more, 88% said they're concerned about air quality and the risk of forest fires across the country. So not surprising given the activity that we've been seeing this summer, but interesting uh, certainly to see that. Yeah, strong majority there identifying that they are concerned. What types of questions did you ask? Well, we asked, how concerned are you personally about climate change? And how are you personally about the air quality, given the risk of forest fires across the country? And we also asked to what extent um, folks agree or disagree that the increasing frequency and intensity of heat waves are linked to climate change and whether they've personally experienced um, air quality problems as a result of forest fires across the country. And so who is most concerned about climate change? Well, um, Canadians as a whole are concerned, but what we see is women are most concerned, as well as those who have been impacted by poor air quality. So if you live in a part of the country or in a province that's recently experienced um, forest fires, uh, um, you even have a heightened level of concern. That, that's logical. I mean, certainly in Nova Scotia, when you looked at Atlantic Canada, um, those in Nova Scotia, they were more likely in this region um, to be extremely concerned. Again, not surprising given the fires that uh, they experienced uh, just just a matter of weeks ago. Um, but what's interesting is we also asked uh, we also asked uh, whether or not um, in their home, given the temperatures we've all been experiencing, whether they've got some type of air conditioning. And this is interesting because you know people need to take a break uh, from the heat and uh, and 
we saw that most Canadians appear to have some type of reprieve from the heat in their home. About half, 52%, said they've got central air conditioning, and 3 in 10, 31%, have some type of room air conditioning. It could be a heat pump or whatever. Um, so it's just 21% that have no type of air conditioning. But you're probably not going to be surprised with this fact that the one place in the country that, that really stands out as different there is Newfoundland and Labrador, where um, where 68% said they don't have any type of air conditioning. I mean, not surprising. You can open you can open a window and, and get uh, some great ocean breeze. Um, but uh, but it's interesting too that that we've got uh, changing temperatures um, and more heat oftentimes than we have experienced in the past. And and uh, folks in Newfoundland and Labrador are, are less likely to have any air conditioning in place. That is interesting. I'm speaking with Narrative Research CEO and partner Margaret Brigley about this recent study that, that shows that Canadians are concerned about climate change and air quality. Margaret, did respondents think government is doing enough? Well, that's um, one question that we did ask was how prepared um, Canadians think their local government is to handle changing climate and its impact on the community. And uh, um, what we saw is that most um, do not believe that's the case. 63% said no, they don't believe their local government is prepared to handle changing climate and its impact on the community. Only 3 in 10 feel that they are prepared. But this is also an area where um, opinions opinions were um, a little different in Newfoundland and Labrador. Um, here what we saw is that um, in Newfoundland and Labrador, residents are most likely or or more likely, rather, to believe that their local government is actually um, a little more prepared than elsewhere um, in the country. So we saw that uh, it was a split opinion, 50%, uh, about half, 49%, rather, um, in Newfoundland and Labrador, said, yeah, I, I do think my local government is prepared to handle climate change. Um, so, so that's interesting. It certainly is, and I, I also uh, kind of latched on to what you said there about Canadians who were really noticing air quality and climate change were, were sort of, um, the, the climate emergencies had been on their doorsteps, but did respondents, mm -hmm. did they see a clear connection between forest fires, intense heat, and climate change? Most certainly, and uh, I, I don't think that that's um, surprising at all, but, but we do see that 81% link the increasing frequency and the intensity of the heat waves and forest fires to climate change, and, and uh, again, it, people have had personal experience, um, they're even more likely to make that link. So certainly climate change is top of mind and, and uh, people are more likely now than ever before to say this, this is somehow related to climate change. And you sort of touched on this when we began our conversation, but why do this kind of research? 
Well, regularly, every month, we talk to Canadians just to understand their opinions on topics that are relevant. And and there are so many things that we ask uh, just to assess where public opinion is on any given point. Uh, uh, we do this for our own interest, but for public's interest, too, because uh, we do believe that, that the public generally is interested in understanding how opinions are changing and, and how they might be different across the country on important issues. And that is Margaret Brigley, CEO and partner with Narrative Research, speaking with VOCM's Jerry Lynn Mackey. Now stay with us and mark your calendars, baseball fans. A Saturday is Baseball NL Day, and we are going to hear all about it coming up in just a few moments. Activities planned around the ballpark Saturday night, especially for to tie in with Baseball NL Day. If some kids want to drop down, there's some opportunity for some prizes giveaways, things like that. So we're hoping to pack the ballpark, so to speak, and have a really good crowd down there for Saturday night. And that is Ryan Garland of Baseball NL. We're going to check in with Ryan and get all the details on what's to come tomorrow. And I should mention this as well. The town of Steadybrook has issued a boil water advisory as of just a couple hours ago. The town would like to remind residents that any water you might ingest needs to be brought to a rigorous rolling boil for one minute. So, for example, water used for drinking water, Water, brushing teeth, making ice, cooking, washing fruits and vegetables, making coffee, tea, and other hot drinks, making juice and other juice from concentrate and powders, and making infant formula and cereal. For more information on that boil water advisory, you can contact the town office in Steadybrook at 634-7601. That's 634-7601. Town of Steadybrook has issued a boil water advisory as of 235 this afternoon. We'll be right back on News Talk. Your voice in Newfoundland and Labrador's biggest conversation. If you want to know what's happening in your province, tune in to Open Line every day. Have you your say weekday morning starting at 9 a.m. on Open Line with Patty Daly on your VOCM. Welcome back to News Talk. Ben Murphy sitting in for VOCM's Linda Swain here on the program this afternoon. And I did put the question out there, our VOCM News question of the day for Friday, August 4th. Do you believe a report by the Commissioner of Legislative Standards was necessary to clear the air on Premier Andrew Fury's 2021 fishing trip? And we did get a couple of calls from you, the great listeners. Yes, uh, of course, the inquiry on the Fury's fishing trip was necessary. If he's using our money, nobody says if he used our money or not, but if he did, government money is our money. He shouldn't go on no fishing trip. Hey, hello, just weighing in on Premier Fury's uh, fishing trip. Uh, the man is allowed to go on a fishing trip with... Uh, Anybody that he uh, chooses and uh, suggests that it's uh, some type of conspiracy-related uh, item and they're working together on things that are of uh, secret items, then uh, I, I don't really think that uh, that has to be dealt with in a public commission. It's a, it's a waste of money. Uh, these these people uh, deal with each, or, each other on a daily basis, and they develop relationships, and yeah, so they went up in the woods and went on a, on a fishing trip. 
it's not they probably didn't discuss much different than uh, than what they'd uh, they'd uh, discuss uh, behind closed doors in uh, confederation building uh, certainly uh, if it was any discussion like that there uh, they would use their discretion and there'd be no more uh, no more ears around than uh, than should be so i think it's a complete waste of money for the public commission to uh, get involved in that and put a report it was just a fishing trip and uh, hope he has many more and uh, negotiate some great deals for newfoundlanders and we thank you both for those calls again. Hey, what do you think? Do you believe a report by the Commissioner of Legislative Standards was necessary to clear the air on Premier Andrew Fury's 2021 fishing trip? 60% of respondents on our question of the day said no. 40% said yes. What do you think? You can always still call us. Well, right now, 453. Mark your calendars, baseball fans. This Saturday is Baseball NL Day. From the Senior A Men's Finals at St. Pat's Ballpark in St. John's to the nine and under jamboree in Pasadena there are events happening coast to coast for all ages Ryan Garland is executive director of Baseball NL I reached him in St. John's to learn more about the second annual Baseball NL day thanks first of all Ben for having me on appreciate the time uh, Baseball NL day I guess is a way for us to showcase and highlight some baseball events around the province I think in the peak of the summer, certainly at the beginning of August, baseball is on everyone's mind between the Blue Jays and, and local programming, things like that. So it's a good time to kind of showcase and highlight our sport uh, before the season wraps up for the year. And this is the second annual. So where did this idea come from for the first annual? Uh, so I guess the best way to say it is you kind of want to steal some ideas from other provinces that, that do things well. Uh, Alberta, Saskatchewan do this similar activity as well so we thought last year we'd give it a chance and, and see what the uptake was admittedly last year it, i don't think it was as well received as we wanted to be again everything's busy for everybody but this year we've got nine or ten different activities across all corners of the province coast to coast to coast i should say we've got some things in labrador going on as well which we're really excited about and the uptake this year has been been fantastic so we're really looking forward to this year being what we had hoped i guess last year would be like you mentioned, a number of events from Senior A Finals at St. Pat's Ballpark to the Under-9 Jamboree in CBS to an Under-11 Jamboree in Pasadena. So what can you tell us about some of these events? Yeah, it's just a way for each association to showcase their their, their baseball in their community, to showcase baseball across the province. So like you said, we've got our Senior A Finals this coming weekend. At St. Pat's is probably the marquee event, I guess, for the weekend in terms of crowd and baseball, things like that, actual gameplay. But we've also got the Heather Healy Female Invitational in Paradise. Another uh, great event is going to be some house league games up in Goose Bay, like I mentioned before. First time we've had a, an organized activity in Labrador in quite some time, but not possibly ever. So very excited to have that happen. And again... Uh, some events in Central and Nissan All Star Invitational in Grand Falls. Uh, it's really just a way for everyone to kind of promote baseball, showcase baseball, and get the kids out and having some fun. And Ryan, have baseball numbers, especially in those younger groups, grown over the last couple summers? Yeah, they have actually, and that's uh, where we're seeing our, our biggest increases in our grassroots programming, our our nine U and eleven U, seven U categories, which is really important for the the growth long term of baseball. It's it's important to continue to have those grassroots players enter the system so there's always some sort of system to have. Without the grassroots players, it's very tough to maintain programming. So we've seen some great registration numbers across the province. This year we have um, 
as I mentioned before, with our activities in Labrador, we actually have an affiliated program now in Labrador, Upper Lake Melville Monitor Baseball, and they've got 170 kids registered uh, in the in the Goose Bay area. So very very happy to hear that. So again, it's just about the promotion and the the development of the sport in the province, something that's definitely taken off in the last few years. And Ron, I just want to go back to that marquee event you mentioned, the Senior A Finals at St. Pat's Ballpark in St. John's. Pretty historic, the Senior A Finals. So I guess who's facing off this weekend? What can people expect? Because there's quite a bit at stake there. Yeah, no, definitely. So uh, this year we've got uh, the defending champion, St. John's Senior Capitals, uh, taking on the CBS uh, Senior Raiders. Um, it's the result of the senior provincial qualifiers that we had uh, two weeks ago, sorry, three weeks ago now, uh, where all the senior teams in the province played in a round-robin tournament to determine the top two teams for the senior finals. So St. John's and CBS were the successful two teams from that event, and they advanced to play in the senior finals this year. Like you mentioned before, senior finals, provincial baseball in the province is, is about, as, about as historic as it gets for sport in our province, and uh, having it at St. Pat's only adds to that history and hopefully draw for the pa- uh, players and kids and stuff. We've got some activities planned around the ballpark Saturday night, especially for to tie in with baseball and L day. If some kids want to drop down, there's some opportunity for some prizes, giveaways, things like that. So we're hoping to pack the ballpark, so to speak, and have a really good crowd down there for Saturday night. Ryan Garland, Executive Director of Baseball Newfoundland and Labrador. Thank you for this. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your time. Well, there you have it. Baseball NL Day tomorrow. Mark your calendars, baseball fans, from the Senior A Men's Finals at St. Pat's Ballpark in St. John's to the 9 and Under Jamboree in Pasadena. Events happening coast to coast for all ages. That was Ryan Garland, the Executive Director of Baseball NL. We're just about done here on News Talk. I do just want to mention, though, Sarah's going to have more on this in your news at 5 o'clock, but a temporary fire ban now in effect for much of the metro region. St. John's Regional has issued a minimum seven-day long ban for the capital city mount pearl and paradise the ban prohibits any open fires including backyard fire pits charcoal barbecues and chimneys town of portugal cove st phillips also issuing a fire ban well, thanks for tuning in to the program and Ben Murphy sitting in here for Linda Swain on News Talk. Appreciate you joining us this afternoon and for the callers who joined in as well. We always appreciate hearing what you think on the top issues of the day. I'm Ben Murphy. This has been News Talk on your VOCM, the biggest news package of the day in Newfoundland and Labrador coming up next right here on your VOC. Oh, your VOCM. I almost had a little bit of a voice crack there. Sarah Strickland's up next. <laughs>